This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. For all the conversation we consistently have about the L.A. Lakers and everything that we're going to say about what their win meant last night, what if I told you there was a win last night that was actually far more meaningful when it comes to not just where a team is, but where a team is going. And it comes in the form of the Philadelphia 76ers. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. If you're new to the show, since sometimes we forget, you know, Harry and I have been friends for a long time. A lot of us on this staff have worked together for a long time. If you're new, though, we just launched January 2nd, January 3rd, right? So a lot of people have been with us, which we're so thankful for, for every ounce of the NFL season. And if you listen to ESPN Radio, you know that the NFL talk will never stop year-round around this uh, this show and every single show on ESPN Radio. But that being said, HD, a lot of people are going to find out about the passion we have for the NBA over the course of the next few months on this show. So imagine my surprise when I wake up this morning and, you know, last night I figured everybody be, you know, tuned into the XFL like I was. And uh, I wake up and the first topic on all of our group thread was about none other than Joel Embiid and none other than the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, I said earlier, I'm not sure what we can take away from one win uh, for the Lakers, given all the situations going on. But the, the 76ers last night get a five-point win, 110-105, over the Memphis Grizzlies in a night where Harden went off on the uh, on the offensive side of the board. And Joel Embiid said this. This is a quote. I could not make any shots, especially the one I usually make. But defensively, I thought I had to be Bill Russell tonight to kind of balance it out. It's just a reminder that while we're busy sitting here talking about, rightfully so, the Bucks, we're talking about the Celtics, we talk about all these teams in the East, the 76 are just, uh, they're just out there going about their business and reminding everybody that they are capable of beating you on both ends of the floor. Yes, they are, Fitz. And in their last 17 games, they're 14-3. and three. Uh, But I think Joel Embiid is playing at a very, very high level. And I love how he compliments James Harden, right? It allows James Harden not to be in a role to where he has to be the primary scorer. And James Harden did a hell of a job scoring last night, but also facilitating. But Joel Embiid, he was 7 for 25 from the, from the field, 0 for 5, 0 for 5 from the uh, three-point line, but he had 19 rebounds, right? He had six assists, but most importantly, Fitz, he had six blocks, and those blocks were very meaningful. He had one on John Morant. John Morant tried to put him on a poster last night because we've seen John Morant put a lot of people on posters. Over but and Joel, over. Joel Embiid said, no, no, no. <laughs> wait, wait, he wait. Said, what did he say? What did he say? No, 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 no. Oh, that's so good. That is Not, t- not tonight. No, no, no. That's exactly what he said to John Morant. But I, I, I love his game, and I think he is the most difficult big man in basketball to guard because he's so physical and strong. He can play with his back to the basket. He can shoot the three. He's going to get to the free throw line. He can do a lot of different things, but he moved to the, you move to the defense end, and he can protect the rim. But also, I got to give a lot of credit to Tobias Harris. Because I think that's going to be the key piece moving forward for the Philadelphia 76ers is Tobias Harris and what he adds and what he brings consistently when you're going against the Boston Celtics in the seven-game series, when you're going against the Milwaukee Bucks in the seven-game series, when the talent is kind of evened out, you know, on the offensive end and defensive end for both teams. So that's what I think is very important. Tyrese Maxey, he's going to be himself. He chipped in with 16 last night, did a phenomenal job. But the fourth quarter... 
Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, James Harden, and Tyrese Maxey, those four guys showed up when the Philadelphia 76ers needed them the most. And Fitz, I'm watching this game on the airplane. The Sixers were down 15 points. Literally down 15 points at the end of the first quarter. They were down 17 at one point in that ball game, but they never gave up hope. They went on a little run right before halftime, and then Jerry Jackson Jr. like threw up a prayer at halftime and made it, and they went down 12, but they still stuck with it. And Doc Rivers was so positive with all his guys and kept them so engaged in that ball game to the point when you got to the fourth quarter, they had an opportunity to win that game, and they came out on top. This is where, at some point, experience matters, coaching matters, and players knowing what they need to do to win matters. Because Harden, in the fourth quarter, 13 points and 5 assists. He scored or assisted Mm -hmm. on 23 points. Why is that significant? The Grizzlies had 24 points as a team in the fourth quarter. So Harden was one point short of having the same impact offensively uh, for the 76ers as the Grizzlies had for the entire quarter as an entire team. And, you know, that that speaks to two things. One, Harden's ability, I think, to come out and do whatever it takes to, to get it done. Two, also understanding, like, when it's just not your night. Hear me out on this with, with Embiid because that, this is interesting from second spectrum. Embiid was particularly bad when Tillman was uh, the contesting defender. One of the worst games he's ever had when Tillman was covering him. It was just, it was it was terrible, right? But the knowledge of like, man, that's not where I'm going to win tonight. That's not where we're going to win tonight. And the ability to sort of swallow your ego in that situation and say, okay, uh, I'm going to let you take over in this situation because we need it. Like, that's important to me. The, the 76ers ended on a 10-1 run uh, in the fourth. That That's a level of just, hey, we know how to capitalize on the momentum when we have it. That's a level of understanding where you fit in the system and understanding how everybody can work together when it's not always your best time. Like, I think the best teams are the ones that are defined by their ability to pull each other up when something's not going right. And that's exactly what the 76ers showed you they have. It's It's comfortable. And I think Fitz also what puts a lot of teams in a bind when you're playing against the Philadelphia 76ers is that Joel Embiid, even though he was 7 for 25 on the field, he got to the free throw line, Fitz. He shot 17 free throws, and he went 13 for 17 in those regards from the free throw line. So even if you're not hitting your shots, you're still getting to the free throw line, and you're a major contribution offensively in those regards. And also... You're going to be the biggest prize that defenses try to key on. So now if you're not hitting, now you can open up things for other people. I'm going to mention P.J. Tucker because he's a role player, right? And they love what he brings to the defensive end. But he was two for three last night, two huge threes in my eyes. Because if P.J. Tucker shoots three to four threes a game, he got to hit half of them. But he's getting these warm-up shots because of the presence of a Joel Embiid, a James Harden, a Tobias Harris. So when, when, when you're asked to you know, do your job and you're asked to make shots, when the moment uh, occurs and arrives, you have to do it. And P.J. Tucker made two threes that he, 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 he shot last night. One of the biggest differences in this game to me, too, is something that you and I have talked about a lot because I'm a Memphis fan uh, unabashedly, right? Like, I love the Memphis guys. I go on that station every week down there. I, I constantly want to root for them. One of our biggest concerns is where do they get secondary scoring from? The difference in this game to a large degree was that John Morant, by the way, had his third worst field goal percentage in a single game in his career, right? So, mm-hmm. Ja was not there. Now, in the first half, Desmond Bain had 19 points and he was picking it up and you can look at it and say, okay, great. In the second half, 
invisible. And when you don't have a second option to go to that you can rely on in that moment, like that's a Joel Embiid having an off night. Harden's like, no worries, brother, I got you. Like Memphis, they don't consistently reliably have that. It's it, it's going to be an issue has, in the playoffs. Hasn't that been my thing, though? 100%. That's, that's the only thing that bothers me about the Memphis Grizzlies is that can Desmond Bain be that guy? Yes. But I need to see it more consistently in big moments against the big teams. Will, I need to see it more consistently against, you know, in the playoffs when you're going against the big dogs. And I understand he's the second leading scorer on the team right now, but what I'm saying is that in a game like last night, when you have 19 in the first half, you can't end the game with 25. No. You can't. Not when John Morant was in the slump that he was last night. You can't. John Morant was 3 for 16. So if you have 19 at halftime, I need you to have 35-plus. I mean, on the borderline 40. What what we saw here were two superstars that were having an off night. One team had the second superstar to step in and take mm-hmm. over. The other team didn't. Mike in Philly wants to chime in. Love it when you guys call in. 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. Mike in Philly, what do you got? Guys, how are you? That was a character win last night. But don't forget what got it started. Our boy, our one championship, and I'll take it from the slam dunk contest, old Mac rang that bell. And got that place rocking. Look at that. I love the, the tie back to Mac McClung, by the way. Uh, I love it. And thanks for the call, Mike. Uh, I, I do like what he said at the beginning. Character win. Harry, you know this, playing in yep. the NFL for so long. Some games, everything's going to go wrong. And when it goes wrong, you just got to be able to muscle through. You got to find a way. Somebody's got to step up. There you go. You just said it. And coaches preach it all the time. Hey, guys, it wasn't pretty today, but we found a way to win. It wasn't pretty early on for the Philadelphia 76ers, but they found a way to win, right? And they didn't get away from, you know, the common goal within that ball game last night. Yeah, and that's... Stay, stay, in, stay in striking distance. That's what they did. They stayed in striking distance, and then when they were able to take over the game, they did. We've spent a lot of time talking about how balanced the West is, and rightfully so. It's going to be balanced for the course of this year. But for all that conversation, there are some great teams in the East, and I do mean great. Like I think Philly, uh, when you when you start getting into a seven game series, and you're telling me we're going to see Philly, we're going to see Boston, we're going to see Milwaukee. These are all teams that, depending on how that week goes and who gets hot where. I could see any of them winning. And that is, as much as we talk about, I could see anybody coming out of the West or at least making an impact in the West. There are three or four teams in the East that not only could win the East, but could also win the whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. Uh, especially when they get wins like they got last night. Tune into college basketball action tomorrow, by the way. Huge Big 12 matchup. Baylor hosting Texas. Coverage begins at 1.30 p.m. Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. We'll keep you updated on the NBA. But coming up... My mind was absolutely blown, absolutely blown by something I heard on ESPN Radio last night that impacts every single football fan. You'll hear it. My reaction next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. One of the most prolific scorers in NBA history, Elgin Baylor revolutionized the game with his skills and his legacy can be seen in today's game. His impact also extended off the court as Baylor was a leading activist and voice throughout his playing and post-playing career. Hall of Famer, Baylor was recognized with a statue outside of the Staples Center that was unveiled in 2018. Black History Always, celebrating Black History Month on ESPN Radio. and Harry, the podcast.
Well, I now know that Harry Douglas and I can never be in the same studio on a Friday because Love Friday just makes me want to slow dance. Which means I'd have to walk over to him and the world would have to finally <laughs> see. Don't be quiet. <laughs> what, where, what, what, two men can't slow dance? I just want to be nope. held. I just want to be and you. Okay. Two men, if they if they decide they want to do that, then that's their business. Not okay, me. Okay, and you. so you and I can't slow dance. Okay, right. no. I, <laughs> man, I hope I never get stuck out in the cold with you because, like, I'd even let you be big spoon. But it feels like right now you'd be like, bro, get to your own side of the tent. I'm always big spoon. Okay, well that's fair. I'm usually little spoon. Evan is like one of those dessert spoons if you go to a fancy restaurant. Like, it's the tiny one that fits in the itty-bitty, like, you know, you just get like a little tiny itty-bitty, like, maybe you're a salt spoon, like the little salt spoon that you can put in the fancy uh, rock salt containers there, Evan? Salt spoon? Evan didn't have a comment. Salt spoon still important. Uh, that Excuse is me. Fair. That is fair. <laughs> that is fair. Devin will figure, like, Devin's a soup spoon. He's just, Devin's just like, no, like, you need Devin in the drawer, but you never really use Devin. Like, that's, that's where Devin is. Well, what? I mean, I'm just saying, we've heard about Devin's sleep mask. It gets a little weird. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Sure, they love me telling you that right then. Uh, look, I'm, I'm just sitting around. You know, I'm just trying to mind my business, and I'm trying to get ready for the draft. And by the way, we're going to have one of my favorite draft people join us in a few minutes, somebody that is a true cheat code for all of us that cover the draft and somebody who puts out a draft uh, book that I get every year, helps me on the draft broadcast. Harry Douglas and I will be uh, will be part of the, uh, the opening digital rounds uh, on ESPN Digital for the NFL draft. So we're both doing our research, and there's polarizing opinions all over the place when it comes to quarterbacks, because right now, for anyone that hasn't paid attention, uh, it, the top prospect, depending on who you ask, would either be Bryce Young, the quarterback out of Alabama, C.J. Stroud, the quarterback out of Ohio State, Will Levis, the quarterback out of Kentucky, or Anthony Richardson, the quarterback out of Florida. Now, you're just sitting around just thinking about this, and all of a sudden, Joe Fortenbaugh, host of Joe and Amber, which you should check out 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, and one of our best betting analysts said this about the odds of Anthony Richardson going number one. So started as high as 100 to 1 and has been bet down to 7 to 1. That is a significant move. 100 to 1 is essentially saying this guy is an absolute moonshot to go number one overall. And now it's down to 7 to 1. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to happen. Let me take you behind the scenes. Betters aren't necessarily... They're not looking at this saying, it's going to happen. I have inside information. I'm making this bet. What they're saying is 100 to 1 is not a good price by the sports books. They have made a mistake here because there's a much better chance than 100 to 1 that he goes one overall. As a result, there is now value in that bet. So they start hammering it. Books start to realize, whoops, may have made a huge mistake. Perhaps somebody out there could decide he's worth a gamble as the number one overall pick and as a project. So they have to readjust the odds as a result. And now we are at seven to one, which is in line with a guy like Will Levis from Kentucky to go number one overall. Harry, as a gamble, as a project, words you don't say about the top overall pick in the NFL draft. If any NFL executive sitting in any boardroom right now decides that they're going to take the gamble on Anthony Richardson as the top overall pick, when that means they would have also watched the tape of, I don't know, Bryce Young at Alabama kicking his ass, if they make that decision, they don't deserve to have a job anymore. If you make the top overall pick in the NFL draft this much of a crapshoot, you got to look at your family and say, may or may not have a job next year because we're drafting a project 
picked number one overall. When there's a quarterback out there, there's this proven entity that can go out and win you football games. This is the asinine process of the draft every year. But Fitz, what did I? What, what, what have I been saying? Like the NFL is now becoming what the NBA is. These teams are going to start drafting off projections and what these players can be. And with me personally, would I take Anthony Richardson over Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? No. But if someone was to take him, number one overall, could I see why they are doing that? Yes, I could. Because when you look at a guy like Anthony Richardson, in which I think he needs to be more accurate, his decision-making has to be a little bit better, and he has to be more consistent right, with his play. You look at the two games versus Utah this season and Tennessee, and I'll start with Utah. He had 168 yards passing. 11 carries for 106 yards and three touchdowns. They won that game. You look at the game against Tennessee where he threw for 453 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, but he had 17 carries for 62 yards and two touchdowns. But then you look at the downside and you look at how was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and how it can be all over the place. You look at the game versus Kentucky in which they lost where he was 14 for 35, 143 yards, two touchdowns and only six carries for four yards. You can see where the consistency needs to be better. With Anthony Richardson. But the first time I seen him play the game of football, right, I immediately said, he's a more athletic Cam Newton. He has a strong arm. Does he need to be more accurate? Yes. But I can see why teams are drooling out the mouth for a guy like Anthony Richardson because they're drafting him off projections and what he can be. Because I do believe he is the most talented quarterback in this draft of all the quarterbacks. He's just not as polished as, as as the other ones. Here's the wild thing to me, though. Like, the yeah, but is why guys fall down the board, right? Yeah, but. So with C.J. Stroud, it's like, yeah, but look at the great weapons he's been throwing to. And also, my least favorite argument in the entire draft process. Yeah, but look at what other Ohio State quarterbacks did when they were drafted, which is just also stupid. Like, that has nothing to do with C.J. Stroud. Uh, we look at Bryce Young, and it's like, yeah, but his size isn't right. Like, these are the yeah, buts that we're saying about the top two prospects. And we're just ignoring chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter of great play. And then for Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, we're sitting here saying, yeah, but about chapters of bad play. Like, we're actually taking proof that they are not good enough, and we're saying, yeah, but to raise them while we are taking these top two quarterbacks, and we're we're lowering them on the board based on, yeah, buts that have nothing to do with the tape. Like, I, I think it was Ian Fitzsimmons that told me a couple of years ago when I first started, uh, five years ago, when I first started working around the draft. He said, if you want the best draft experts, talk to the guys that cover college football every day, because they mm-hmm. watch so much of it, they'll tell you who's great. And the funny thing is, if I look back in the last few years when I talked to my buddies that truly covered college football they knew like the guys covering college football left and right knew Zach Wilson was a reach the guys that covered uh, college football left and right knew that Trey Lance was a reach like all of those guys will look at it and say hmm yep no that one's pretty easy to see this year the same thing is happening and I'm telling y'all like yes Anthony Richardson could turn out to be great but he's going to need time. That's what the NFL, that's what the college football guys will tell you. Uh, will Levis could turn out to be great, but he makes a lot of bad decisions and he's not accurate enough, just like Anthony Richardson. He's going to need time. Those are maybes. C.J. Stroud has put on film his greatness. Bryce Young has put on film his greatness. And it's funny to me that we're using a yeah but to negate the greatness when there isn't even film to do that while we're ignoring bad film on two other prospects. Well, that's 2023 for you. You know, the goalpost, the needle moves year in and year out. That's just where we are, you know, as a society. And that's what society has become. 
to where you can have these proven products in Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, in which I love both of those guys. But then you have the projects in, you know, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, and they may catch guys' eye more so than the top two guys in this draft. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate, I wouldn't draft, definitely wouldn't draft anyone over Bryce Young, but then I wouldn't draft anybody over Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. But I could understand why someone would want to draft ahead of those guys, Anthony Richardson, because the things that I do see, the intangibles that I that I have seen with my own eyes. And then you go back and you look at you know the success that Cam Newton was able to have. And then when I say he's a more athletic Cam Newton, then that's going to raise eyebrows ac- across you know, the board with guys. Because you got to look at Jalen Hurts and how he was able to develop more as a passer this season. And with the proper coaching, I think Anthony Richardson will be fine with the proper coaching. He has to go to the right situation. I don't think he can just go to any team and it's going to be easy peasy. You yeah. got go, to go to the right situation as well. That, that's such a huge part of it. And most of the teams picking at the top are picking at the top in part because they're not a great situation. So like, this is a failed system and you're a thousand percent right in everything you're saying. I want, let me stress, I want every single one of these players to make it and I want them to be great. I just want to be able to follow the logic. If you want to read more about Anthony Richardson, you should. Matt Miller has a great article on why he's trending up as we get close to the draft. That's right now on ESPN.com. And we'll find out how good a prospect Anthony Richardson is from one of my favorite experts, a true treat cheat code in getting ready for the draft. Joins us next, Fitz and Harry, on your smart speakers by saying, play ESPN Radio. Top 10 showdown between Big 12 rivals. Eighth ranked Texas travels to Waco to face number nine Baylor. Jones! Yes! Coverage begins at 1.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio. You can also listen on the ESPN app or on your smart speaker. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Hanging out with Louisville Hall of Famer Harry Douglas. Say it one more time again. Louisville Hall of Famer oh, Harry my, Douglas. My bad, Evan. I'm just putting some respect. I'm, down, I'm not doing this right, Harry. I'm just putting some respect on your name. Oh, you got to use a K. Respect. That's why I care. That's what I did. Respect. The respect. With some I, respect. <laughs> I don't know why it doesn't work right for me, but, uh, you know, I'm going to keep trying. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel Lady, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry's out in Las Vegas getting ready for some sideline action with the XFL game coming tomorrow. Vegas Vipers getting out there making their Vegas debut. I'm glad you said with the XFL, Harry's out in Vegas getting some sideline action. I'm glad you put XFL <laughs> right after that one, buddy. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it is, you know, it is It is Love Fridays. Uh, you know, we're out there. My set, wife isn't here. We're setting the, okay. But it's still Love Friday. Okay. Well, you know, your work wife is here with you. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a reason why I wasn't invited to Vegas with you, all right? Uh, you know, he's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And I said it earlier. I'll say it again as we uh, debate, not debate, but we discuss it. And let me be very clear quickly. 
uh, I root for every one of these kids to be wildly successful. So when I say that it doesn't make sense for Anthony Richardson to go number one overall, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Anthony Richardson goes out, just kicks the snot out of everybody if he goes number one and is absolutely wildly rich, wildly famous, and gets all of his dreams. That is what I hope for. But I also know that Dane Brugler from The Athletic, the NFL draft writer, is one of the cheat codes. And I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I always have. When I host the digital draft broadcast, this will be my sixth or seventh year in a row hosting it for ESPN. Last year, over 10 million people watched us. And I can tell you honestly, when you look, you'll always see that I have two laptops and an iPad in front of me. One of those laptops only has his book. Uh, Every year he puts out a draft book, and it is in front of me every year because the scouting report work he does is absolutely incredible. So, Dane, thanks for the time. I appreciate you. When you look at Anthony Richardson, and I, I keep hearing all the reports that people think he might go number one overall, just make it make sense to me. Why? Uh, well, first off, that, thank you. That's humbling to, uh, to hear. Um, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and it's never more true than when you talk about the quarterback position. Um, it, it's something where you, with this draft especially, you have very different types of quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Brace Young, I think, is the best pure quarterback, but he's a complete size outlier. How do you weigh that? C.J. Shroud played his best game of his career in the final game, showed some things that he never showed in the first 27 games at Ohio State. How do you factor that into your projection of what he's going to be in the NFL? Will Levis has been up and down over the, his career, but I think there's you can make a case there's more reasons than excuses for why he struggled this past year as a senior. And then you come to Anthony Richardson, who is a total freak show, uh, the size, the speed, the arm strength. Um, I, he does some quarterback things on tape, and that's what you want to see. You want to see uh, that uh, that, that uh, optimism that he can handle a full course load at the NFL level. But the accuracy inconsistencies from, from snap to snap really just bothers you. And you wonder, okay, is this a guy – that once he gets more reps is going to be able to figure it out and be more consistent, or is this who he is? This is where NFL scouts and NFL teams, they have to look into their crystal ball and try and figure that out. And especially with a guy like this, who uh, the list of quarterbacks who have been drafted in the NFL with fewer than 400 pass attempts is a very, very short list. And we just saw it two years ago with Trey Lance. That was more COVID related than anything but we just don't see it very often where guys with such meager experience uh, are, are, you know, going to the NFL and finding success. And so it's, it's really an interesting test case with Anthony Richardson because he's so, he's so talented, so gifted. You just have to project how consistent can he become and what type of player are we going to have two, three years from now? And Dane, I want to stick with Anthony, Anthony Richardson for a second. When it comes to his quarterback play, and you talk about these executives, these owners, these general managers, these head coaches, when they turn on the film and on more than one of a, uh, occasion, they can say, wow, does that make them say, okay, they can understand why Anthony Richardson may go number one overall being 6'4 and 232 pounds? Well, I mean, at this point last year, we weren't talking about Trevon Walker going number one overall, but then he went to the combine. And it absolutely blew it up. And, you know, obviously we're talking about two very different positions here. But when a lot of these coaches 
you know, because they're they're just getting into the draft process now. For a lot of these coaches, when they see Anthony Richardson throw in person at Lucas Oil Stadium, that'll be the first time they really you know get a chance to focus on him. They're going to be wowed by the way the ball explodes off his hand, the effortless velocity, how how smooth he's moving out there for a guy that's six four, two hundred and thirty five pounds. So, you know, and obviously the pacing, the tempo of his throws, the footwork, the accuracy, all of that factors in uh, at the combine as you're watching him. But just the pure arm power uh, will be impressive. And you feel bad for the guy that goes after Anthony Richardson, which just happens to be C.J. Stroud. Uh, because they do it in alphabetical order. And so C.J. Stroud doesn't have a power arm, but the reason we're talking about C.J. Stroud as a possible top-five pick is he will carve you up. His accuracy, especially from within the pocket, is outstanding. And so when you see Anthony Richardson throw, you're going to see the power, but is he going to be consistently accurate with some of the timing throws, uh, especially over you know the intermediate throws? Uh, and then meanwhile, C.J. Stroud following him, C.J. Stroud, he's going to hit those. And so it'll be interesting with those two quarterbacks back-to-back, how, you know, does that change the way you look at them at all? Uh, but, yeah, there's no doubt. Physically, uh, he's going to impress. I, selfishly, I'd love to see him work out uh, with, you know, the 40 and the vert and all that. I, I doubt we see him do it. But, uh, you know, it, we, we can hope, right? It'd be fun to see him go out there and flex. So, Dane, in a world where it was at least perceived for the longest time you couldn't fix accuracy, we've seen Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts um, drastically improving that as professionals. Uh, is that still part of the conversation for some of these quarterbacks that come out that have had accuracy issues in college? Yeah, and it, it comes down to, um, you know, the biomechanics of the position, um, the way each quarterback moves. Uh, you know, it starts with the base, then up through your hips with the throwing motion, um, and, and then with your eyes. And it, it's something that I don't, I, I don't have a great answer in terms of yes or no. You know, it's just there, there's so much, uh, you know, gray involved with uh, how you evaluate the position, how you project it forward. Um, and so it's with Anthony Richardson, you could ask that question to, you know, every single team around the league and you're going to get split answers with, uh, no, maybe he, he is what he is. He's always going to be a 62% completion percentage guy or no, you know, we think he can get better. We think, you know, with the way that he is so compact with his release, the way that he stays on time, we think he can get better. So it's, it's not an easy answer uh, or easy question to answer, but um, that, that's what each team is trying to figure out, especially the teams in the top 10 that are going to be considering Anthony Richardson. They're going into the combine hoping that there will be breadcrumbs to help them answer that question. And then at the same thing at the pro days and the workouts, the biggest thing for Anthony Richardson will be the interviews and just understanding, okay, this guy has thrown uh, you know, less than 400 pass attempts. He's a redshirt sophomore. He's a young player. What does he know and what doesn't he know? That's going to help me understand, okay, he's going to be ready to play midway through his rookie year or he's going to need a full redshirt. Uh, because I think Anthony Richardson is a type of player that's going to get better by you know, being on the field and reps and experiencing these things with his own eyes, making mistakes. So I don't know that necessarily sitting and learning is going to do him, you know, uh, give him the development that he needs. I want him on the field to get better. But, you know, understanding where he is in his development, his mental development, that's going to be a big piece of the puzzle that teams try to figure out in Indianapolis. We talked about Anthony, Anthony Richardson and how he can wow executives. Let's go to Will Levis really quick before we let you go. Tell our listeners why he, you know, potentially can go in the top 10. 
uh, he's the prototype. Um, you know, talking with uh, some uh, a lot of the the guys that do a lot of the flexibility things. Um, you know, with the the biomechanics, they look at uh, Will Levis physically, and he's basically they say he's basically a grades perfect with uh, his size, the way the ball comes out, his rapid release. Um, you know, he's a pretty good athlete for that size, really smart guy too. um, you know, tests really well in all the intelligence tests that they give him. The toughness is off the charts. I don't think people realize how, I mean, he's getting shocked in his foot before the game last year, the second half of the season, uh, cause he had an injury, uh, but he only missed one game. So, you know, he does a lot of the things that you want uh, your quarterback to do, but he needs to see things a little bit faster. And is that something that, uh, you know, he can improve at the NFL level when everything's just a lot faster? That's where the reservations come in. That's where, you know, the, the doubt creeps in with the Will Levis. But you know what? He is, he did some really uh, impressive things at Kentucky. Uh, you know, he 17 and seven as a starter at Kentucky in the SEC. That's not easy to do. Um, and, I, and obviously, you know, quarterback win loss records is a debatable uh, stat for a quarterback. But still, to do that in the SEC at Kentucky uh, says a, a, a lot. And I think this past year as a senior, where he didn't live up to expectations, you look at the offensive line, all the guys that he lost. He lost Wandale Robinson, who was a second round pick to the Giants. Uh, Liam Cohen left for the Rams. Uh, his play caller. So he and then he had his injury midseason. All these factors in, and yeah, some people will say those are excuses. There are also reasons why maybe he didn't live up to some of those expectations. So this is a tough, smart, physically talented guy who needs to see things a little bit faster. And some teams will believe that he can do that. You guys can follow him on Twitter at DP Brugler. Obviously, check him out on The Athletic and check out his draft guide every year. It truly is a great help. Uh, Dane, always appreciate your expertise, brother. Thanks for making us smarter. Hey, anytime. Thanks, guys. All right, coming up, we'll tell you why all of this isn't really even about these quarterbacks. It's about Patrick Mahomes. I'll explain it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. A wild development has happened on this show in the last couple of minutes. A total turn. Everything's changed. Everything I think I thought 10 minutes ago is all now hot garbage. I give up on all of it. I've changed my mind on everything. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry, you know this. I've been long since saying I do not want Anthony Richardson. I do not want Will Levis. I know as a Raiders fan, I've been loud about this. I'm like, give me Bryce Young, give me CJ Stroud, or just keep running it back until you can find the right quarterback. But then we just had Dane Brugler from The Athletic on, one of my favorite guys. He gives me all these little nuggets. You're talking about Anthony Richardson's potential upside. Uh, Dane comes in and, and starts using the word complete for Will Levis, talking about everything that Will Levis does. Never mind. Change my mind. I want them all. I'll take any of them now. So basically what you're saying, you're Bobby Brown. You're talking to Will Levis. I want to rock with you, Will. You know what? All draft long. You know what? If that's the case, it's my prerogative. I can do what I want to do. You know? I, look, I, I think we're going to turn this whole segment into Bobby Brown saying the songs. You're welcome. Uh, no, I, I think there is this moment where this is what we do in the draft, though. This is what, and I should be smarter. I should be better, America. I should do, I should just do better, be better, and I can't. Like, the, when you when you know you are stuck at the quarterback position and you have no viable option, you're just so thirsty. What you don't want is you don't want Bobby Brown playing at the end of the night in the club 
and realizing that you ain't going home with anybody. So now you're just looking around. You're like, come home with me. Please come home. Anybody? Anybody? Anywhere? That's where I am as a quarterback right now. Like, I, I just, if, if anybody wants to come home with my beloved Raiders, I will support it. I'll go buy the jersey. Like, I will order the jersey for any quarterback they draft on draft night, and I will pop that thing on, and I will wear it with a level of pride you did not expect. That, that's well, what's... I will also say, like, one of the things that Will Levis does have going for him is that the simple fact that, you know, some of the things that you've seen from Sean McVay and the Rams offense, uh, the year before last, you've seen Will Levis thrive in that offense, right? And also have the offensive line, have the playmakers around him. So I think that's going to be a bonus moving forward. You know, for Will Levis, the simple fact that he was in a pro system and how he performed a year before last in that system. Well, I keep saying, how does he throw so many stupid interceptions in games that matter? But then you're reminded by Dane that he was getting his foot shot up in the, you know, before games. And so, like, how much does that play into his quarterbacking for, you know, th- that's the hardest part about all of this is trying to figure out what to give emphasis to and what not to give emphasis, emphasis to when you realize that you're in the same division as Patrick Mahomes. Like, a- at some point, what is my hope? Uh, what, what? If you're a Raiders fan, if you're a Broncos fan, I don't care. Miss me with any of the Russell Wilson stuff and Sean Payton stuff. Nobody's scared. If you're a fan of one of those two teams, hell, even if you're a Chargers fan and you think you got your guy, you're still looking around and saying, my God, what's the point when you're taking on Mahomes? If you're in the rest of the AFC, if you're the Titans and you really do want to see if Malik Willis could turn out to be a plucky little player, for what? So you can get your butt kicked by Burrow? Like, look, at some you, point, you got to look around and just be like, man, if I want to compete in the AFC, I got to have a Burrow or a Mahomes, and I don't. You know me and Will Levis had a little beef on first take last year. You, you know, because I, I was upset with him because he put the L. I went to Louisville. He went to Kentucky. He put the L's down. Uh, not the game this past year, but the year before last. We had a little. We had. We had. We had a little. So you have yeah, beef with beef my potential. Like, no, no, no. But listen, move, I, I want all these guys to do well. You know, I don't have nothing personal Wait, against him. Wait, but what's him. that going to do about me getting a Will Levis jersey if he's drafted? Like, he came on the digital shows with me a couple of times. We talked to him about I I actually did the mayo and coffee thing just because Will Levis came on our show. That should bond me enough to get a jersey if he gets drafted, right? Yeah, of course. I want all these guys to do very, very well. I don't especially care if he does the National well, Football League. And I want him to get drafted as high as possible, too. Like, I think the key is for me to hit him up for a jersey right at the beginning because that'll help me for the rest of his career. Uh, we'll keep breaking down everything you need to know with an NFL expert next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 